Welcome to the Birds FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to After Action Update with Lieutenant Colonel Retired Pete Chambers, Special Forces. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is Wednesday. February 7th in the year 2024. And tonight we have a very special guest, good friend of mine, amazing leader in this patriot movement and doing more than most to save this nation. And that's Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, retired Special Forces, who has been the backbone to hope, literally, on the border. That's where his fight is and that's what he's waging and what he's doing a brilliant job at. We're going to get an update from the rally and revival that was down there, plus much more here in just a few minutes. Patriots, one thing for sure right out the gate is we are dealing with psychopaths, psychopath elite pedophile crazies. And they are literally on a scorched earth campaign to destroy everything, and they are going to use food as a weapon system. You need to take this seriously. Right now, if you head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, you'll find the one-year food supply system offered by My Patriot Supply. This is 2,000 calories a day. Everything is bagged and sealed, double-layer bags that will last up to 25 years on the shelf. And it gives you a full nutritionist me nutrition meal for each and every day. You can have all of this for under $2,000, which is an amazing deal. So head on over now to, my, to preparewithbards.com. This offer for My Patriot Supply is an amazing offer, and it's one to take very seriously. We need to be prepared for the coming shortages, and they are coming. And that's just part of this fight, unfortunately, of dealing with psychopaths that want to burn everything down and bring people to their knees any way they can. Don't be caught short. So again, head over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. The links are below the podcast. You can take it right there and check it out today. Patriots, we've had an amazing last week with a fantastic rally down at the border. It originally started with Robert Agee and Jamie Agee of Banners for Freedom and a, a couple of people around them that started with a small little rally down there that turned out to be a trucker's convoy and a variety of other things. And it went off flawlessly. There was no J6, even though people were panicking around the nation trying to claim that there was going to be one. There was no J6. And to the large degree that that happened was the efforts of one amazing American hero. And that's Lieutenant Colonel retired Pete Chambers, Special Forces. He has been an absolute fierce fighter down on the border. He has taken literally the war back that he has learned so well to fight overseas, and he's understood very realistically that we have an enemy domestic. He's raising up patriots. He's raising up what he needs to do to energize people down in Texas and around the country with his voice every chance he gets to awaken people of the threat and the time in which we're in. So I'm very proud to welcome this evening my good friend and very much respected fellow soldier, Pete Chambers. Pete, how are you doing this evening? Well, sir, I'm happy to be alive and uh, happy to be back in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> you had quite a week last week. You know, uh, Texas had quite a week and uh, the nation had quite a week and God, I believe, is smiling. I would agree with you. Pete, I want to just start out with something that I don't think a lot of people realize. We know you're a strong man of faith, but I don't think people realize how much you literally start from that perspective, everything that you do. Can you talk a little bit about that? Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it's just the uh, the realistic point of view of that this is spiritual warfare and, and something that I've just made myself do. And I have notes to myself all over the place. You know, I have a mirror in my bathroom. I never look at it, but I but out my door... I have a sign. It basically says, die to self. And it's kind of like something I tap above my door as I walk out. Because I know that in the job I previously had, I remember being a young infantry kid looking at Green Berets and going, rock stars, look at that. And you kind of get into that world when you're there. 
and uh you know there were guys that didn't but i i i i succumbed to it when i put that hat on i was pretty proud of it but you know you you got to realize that it it's your that's not your identity you know your identity is a is a is a for me a man of god and and so i have to remind myself that that i have to die to self i have to not listen to that liar inside of me that's telling me you're not good enough or you're too good you know whichever way it is and i think that that's really how to start today you know it's after you know prayer and some coffee and and uh you know taking joe out when i'm out in that morning as that sun's coming up every morning uh, that that's when i realize that it is this is this is going to be another day that god's made so it it's just uh it's been a process as for all of us we all have a walk and that's just been mine yeah it's powerful by the way how is joe you know he's rocking uh joe joe <laughs> He made a lot of new friends out there from uh, all the way from Dripping Springs. Well, actually, from Beaumont, Texas, all the way to uh, to Kimato, Texas, along the way with different law enforcement and people of Texas, people from all over. I mean, literally from Alaska all the way. I, I think I asked anybody from uh, Hawaii, and that was there was no nobody but Alaska. That was the furthest one out, so I thought it was pretty cool. But he made a lot of friends. That's awesome, Pete. You told the story. I've told it a couple times here, but I'd really like you to tell it of the mm-hmm. hail that started off the entire event. That was pretty powerful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, uh, lots of things happened. I was not there when that happened because I was trying to get down there. I actually got caught up in it on the way down. That storm came really weird. Nor- normally this time of year we get what's, you know, like everywhere else in the midsection here and the Northeast, you know, get the Northerns and then they roll in. This was a Southwestern and it, uh, it came up from the Rio Grande up this way towards central Texas. But, uh, there was a group that was out there setting up their protest for the rally for them to enter. And they, of course, they're knuckleheads and they did their math wrong. It's not going to take, you know, 200 trucks and cars, um, three and a half hours, which is the normal travel time from central Texas. You, you know, they're driving 40 miles an hour. So they were they were there early. And uh, while they're setting up, this just, you know, went from, you know, good, good skies to black skies. And a hailstorm rolled in, and of course they all ran away, and it's like a scene out of Monty Python: "Run away, run away!" And so they they left, and uh, you know, trucker convoy saw the storm coming at them, and they just kind of pulled over and let it go by, and they were all in their vehicles, everything was fine. Um, and then they went on in about two hours after the other group left, and uh, by then it was dark. They got to set up. It was uh, it was a great kickoff, and they never even knew that they were there. Uh, those of us that were following it and people on the ground inside the uh, cornerstone ranch the security that we had uh that they had set up you know personally they they hired some people but also we had some people inside just kind of watching and being out there for about a week before uh just kind of getting to know the area it's a it's a pecan orchard on this side and it's mexico on the other side of the river so you know it's very remote uh 40 50 people in, in a township um so you know everybody and you know anybody that just ain't from here uh so it, it was pretty amazing when those groups came in. And I think the group on the side of the bus said it was it was a pretty nice bus. I mean, it was a wrap on it. Something about counter-Christian nationalists, let's make America proud again. Hmm. Well, I think that's part of our problem is too much pride kind of stuff and too little God kind of stuff. No, I wouldn't disagree with you at all on that, I'll tell you. There was a lot of concern by, unfortunately, some big influencers too, um, and that were, I think, really listening to the wrong voice, to be honest with you. There was a lot of fear that this was going to turn into a J6. And, oh, my brother. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I mean, you and I had a really intense talk one night about it, and I am respectful, but I mean, we know the weight that mm-hmm. was on you because you were getting so much of this intense talk, conversation about it's going to be J6. And obviously, I would say most of those saying it didn't weren't listening to God well. You had a zero in focus that this was not going to be that way. I know it began with prayer, but it also dealt with a tremendous amount of work that you did. Whatever you can share, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah, you know, I've, I've since that since this all worked out, and you know, it's easy to say I told you so. I have actually had to use discernment on myself not to get too angry about what I call summer soldiers, um, not to get too angry about cowards not to get too angry about provocateurs even but in this case it was the you know this first of all this ain't dc it's texas okay number one number two you know 
when we play on their battlefield of fear, all right, then, then you've already lost at that point. You've already lost if you don't show up. But I understand people have different reasons for not wanting to go and, and that's their own thing. So I, I check myself and say, okay, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to chastise or I'm not going to quote Thomas Paine today. But, but honestly, um, I, I think that the, that we did all we could. We poured our hearts, hearts in this. I say we. I, I'm just the face of this thing. I mean, there are so many people, and it's not just here. You know, it's Mark Anthony. He did the same thing that I did, but in Yuma. It's uh, the San Ysidro folks. I mean, they each and each of these anchors of these these things. This one just got the most attention because Eagle Pass was the hot topic. But in that being said, um, you know, there were people out there that that people that we know who who I respect who said, don't go down there, this is a trap. Now, if I'm the guy that's down here telling you we've got the trap covered, then, you know, listen to me and understand. But but use your best judgment, as always. And, and let me explain, just so you understand, that they, in a way, were kind of right. Now, here, this is my personal list, and I'm keeping it very vanilla here, of the things that were stopped. Provocateurs, infiltration attempts, Mockingbird infiltration, SIGINT infiltration, ISR infiltration, Antifa BLM infiltration, role players, illegal, well, I'm not going to talk about that one because i, I got to prove that one, measure another couple times, false flag attempts, cartel pawns, etc. So, and then to add to that, 15 actual names of people that were in those specific categories. So we we shared these things with our law enforcement partners because we understood that you know it's their battle space that's you know kind of they're the regional commands and we are just you know teams that are out here of citizen journalists that were working with us to give us the human information and then you had the people that were out there um, that lived there so those those would be like your um, underground right they're they're out there they live in these towns I mean folks that have grown up there and saying this looks weird they they know their neighborhood better than me but when when all this worked together then all those things i just listed didn't happen they they did they just didn't happen either they backed off or uh they were stopped literally you know at gates uh with pictures saying look for this guy uh or that gal um or they hopped a fence at an at a venue and somebody you know, I literally I had two NFL football players at the Central Texas one, one six five three ten, the other one six three, you know, right about the same weight. Walked up, tapped him on the shoulder, handed them to a Texas constable, and away they went, without anybody seeing anything. You know, so that's what we the people do, right? And there was, and I didn't wear a gun on purpose during this whole thing because you know, open carry in Texas, I got it, I could, but there was the, the verbal judo andy griffith thing that i had to maintain to say i don't need a gun i just need god and i need these citizens to do the right thing and they did and it worked out beautifully so i'm going to just comment for the audiences to hear so what you just heard was a description of what a special forces person does so well by with through which is to empower the people to come together and to be the army Pete, if you could just highlight two things just for explanation for the audience, SIGINT mm -hmm. and ISR. Just explain what those two things are. Right. So signals intelligence, and, and, and there's two different levels of that. One is run by governments, and the other one's run by proprietary equipment. And that's signals intelligence. That's trying to uh, see what's on your phone or to have a man in the middle to try to figure out what you guys are talking about on your Zoom calls. You know, when the the planners of the or organi uh, organizational planners of the actual convoy are meeting and then we pick up something as a man in the middle and say, hey, we don't tell them that. So they worry about it. They'll continue their meeting. But on the backside, we're, we're picking up IP addresses going, hey, you got a, a man in the middle here. Somebody's trying to, you know, slurp your information while you're talking because you used a platform that was not secure. It's OK. But just so you know, and, and look, they they. They weren't saying anything that was that was you know uh, illegal, immoral, unethical. But also, I mean, one of the pictures from that actual meeting when I gave them a border brief and said, "Here's Eagle Pass. Don't go here because the National Guard unit is working." That picture ended up showing up on a uh, I don't know if it was Vice or but it was one of those types, you know, 
uh, those uh, alternative media, more leftward leaning medias. Look, it showed up on there as a picture of me, and, it, and it's kind of like the uh, the you know they caught me like, oh look, he's planning an attack on Eagle Pass. Great, great, but that was that is actually proof positive, proof of concept that that was a man in the middle thing. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing, the ISR, that's just a term that we use for a uh, like a drone in the sky. It could be anything from you know you can go down to Walmart and buy or went well, on Walmart, let's say Best Buy and buy a little drone. Or and put it on a tether and leave it up there for hours. Or you can have a Reaper, you know, which is an Air Force, you know, the size of a small plane that flies for hours and and sends information back and forth or delivers ordnance and you know, missiles. So that's an ISR, and it's an eye in the sky. That's that's what that is. And so in this case, the ISRs look like little drones. And so when you see something coming into an area, and we've already We've bought the the battle space, if we will. We've we've built our own RAS, if you will, kind of a, an area you can't fly in here. Why? Because we have prior private property, and with that private property, if the owner says we don't want anybody else's drones flying, then those other drones are are uh, brought down. So we just walk up next to the person, say, "Hey, bro, take your drone down. Uh, we don't we don't need you to do that." But there were other ones that were. Uh, less less innocent and you know those were handed over to the appropriate authorities you also went on an intense media counter campaign and you were getting hit i want you to talk a little bit about that you started getting hit Mm -hmm. in the classic way that the deep state hits which is to try to disparage your character and very personal attacks they weigh heavily on you been through it a lot i know but you did Mm -hmm. the right thing because you did literally the mushashi always on the offensive, and you turned what was a, an attack into your best maneuver, and you took it to the people. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, you know, it, you, when you take that stuff to the people, when you, when you, you know, you, you don't strike back at them directly and say, well, you know, that they're, they're, you just basically, when I got the calls, first of all, I didn't read any of it, and Sam Shoemate, you know, a friend of mine, uh, you know, our friend of ours, mm-hmm. uh, Danny, Turbo CWO, a.k.a., said to me, hey, you know, don't read any of this stuff because he had been attacked. And I said, okay, well, I wasn't going to. I didn't have time to read it. But uh, when when my friends or my brother or you know, my best friend calls me and says, hey, bro, you know, they said you're a pedophile. I'm like, wow, that's pretty vicious. Well, first of all, we collected all those things and handed them to the lawyers and said, you guys can work on it, whether it's a uh, it's slander or not. But uh, But taking it to the people is, the, the, the people did it themselves because, you know, when somebody says, well, this guy's supposed Green Beret claims to be a, a veteran, you know, OK, then all of a sudden my bros that are out there are like, hey, man, you, you don't know this guy like like he is he is that. So I just kind of let that work it work itself out, really. I mean, it was there was no you know, I didn't have to go active. I kind of went passive, to be honest with you. No, you did a great job. And that is something I just want to highlight, too, as just a lesson learned for everybody. When something like this is going on and you see somebody getting attacked like this, step in on those on those comments and start hitting hard and breaking it down because that's how you defeat it. it it's when the upswell of the organic upswell of the people come in and rally around a ridiculous comment and isolate that one or two comments and start blowing yes. them out, right? And so that's, that's it. Perfect. Yeah, well said. Well said. Because that that's... Because if it comes from me, then it's just a counter. It's he said, she said. But when it comes from me being passive on it, but letting those others, you know, do their thing, that's what I would do. I would step in for a brother or sister and say, hey, you have no idea what you know. And then what it does is it makes the people that were unknowing, didn't know me, didn't know this convoy, thought it was going to be 700,000 trucks of, you know, pirates strapped to it going to attack Mexico. Well, it it literally looks so ridiculous at that point that now they've lost credibility. So when it when it's in the world of creds, you know their their credibility's in the gutter. It was probably already was, but um, you know it more so. Exactly, yeah. and people are sheep. I mean, to be honest with you, they jump along the crowd, and even if some of these mm-hmm. are, are well organized, like AI AI bots or something, they'll jump along with that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the intention. And then once you disparage it, I mean, counter it with truth. Mm-hmm. And you just you destroy the disparaging comment, they'll break off anyway. They're too weak. That's most of the time. So that's that's a yeah. Lessons learned, right? Exactly. Yeah. And you did a great job. And, and and lots of compliments. You did a great job. And I'm saying that of having advised a lot of senior leaders on this, dude. You stepped in and knocked it out of the park. The other thing that you did so well 
is you found the strong outlets to go to to get your message out. You went, you hit Alex Jones, you hit Tucker Carlson, you hit CBN and Christian Broadcast Network, and you got all of that message out. You were hitting a popular a, audience span in the millions right away. Nice job on that. I don't know how you coordinated all of it. It was well done. <laughs> let's let's give that credit to God straight up because you know, and 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 I, and I do appreciate that. Thank you, sir. But um, literally, I, I'm going to tell you a little. You know, it's always kind of nice to hear the insider stuff. So I'm walking across, you know, from where I work. You know, I keep my trailer moved up there when I'm back up in central texas i'm walking across with a coffee in my hand a hoodie on a team hoodie and some ranger panties and combat boots and i'm walking into you know the basically what i call the ops and it's the office you know the operations center i'm walking in the office and and colonel phil waldron's standing there he's like i got tucker carlson on the phone you need to talk to him i'm like well let me get my coffee first and i'll be right there so i walk upstairs and uh I thought he was joking and I get up there and it's him. And he's like, Hey, I, I'm getting on a plane. I'm going to Canada, but uh, talk to uh, my handler. And I'm like, okay, no problem. And then two days later I'm on for 20 minutes, but that was because and this is, this is the key to this is that he had posted something about where are the men of Texas on Twitter? And I think he did that on purpose. And it, it might've been led by God. I, I believe that it was. And literally, the the it was flooded. The answers flooded back were, why don't you talk to Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers? I mean, Maria Z out of Australia, you know, some fairly large sized people that I've been on, you know, in this world, in our world of, of mid level podcasters mm -hmm. and news sources. So now you got that firing back at him. He's like, who is this dude? And so he calls Phil Waldron, who he knows from previous stuff with election steel, and says, hey, do you happen to know this guy? Name Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers. Like, yeah, he's walking in right now. What? What is? How does this work? You know, like you're right there. Okay, so that's how that one happened. But that, other than that, you know, Alex Jones lives here. You know, we know him, and we we got on. Um, and then CBS actually did a spot on site down there, which was for a mainstream outlet. Did a great job of just being very fair. And I told the guys like, I won't interview with you if this comes out unfair. And you're in Texas right now, so. You know, you, you, you better be fair with your questions because I got some big fellas standing here and joking with him, of course. And he <laughs> laughed and said, no, I'm here. I'm watching it. This is this is great. So that's a good one to look at because he really was fair. That's great. Now, how about CBN? That was a great connection because they were actually on the ground, too, right? Yeah. So that's Chuck Holton, um, Ranger buddy, um, you know, old guy like me. Um, we just he just happened to be here to cover the convoy. And then we were sitting out front while we were setting up the venue for a uh the first rally in central Texas. And he said, well, while we're out here, let's just sit down. So we just sat on a picnic bench, picnic bench and a couple of, you know, old uh, army buddies just talked about what was happening on. And he has a pretty large audience on uh, Newsmax and CBN. And he, he got done and he went on his way and he called me back and said, well, Greta Van Susteren got, uh, you know, 700,000 views. You're about to go over a million. I was like, well, because people like to listen to a couple of dudes just talk about the truth. It's, it's a lot easier when it's not staged. <laughs> well so. said. Well said. <laughs> Pete, what's your general that's really what happened. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, what's your general sense now? I mean, there seems to be a real shift in the emotions of this fight. And I think that between the 1st of January with the dropping of the DMA, Declaration of Military Accountability, and where we are now, literally – a month later, this, which was essentially this, the first of February range, mm -hmm. I sense a real shift in the emotional tide in America. And I think that, that what happened at the border was more significant than we realized because it wasn't what people thought. It became a revival, correct? Absolutely. Well, it was meant to be a revival in the very beginning. Uh, I was down there with Pastor Rod Parker um, on site looking at that at that children's camp, and he had got the vision to go down and move his his, uh, you know, his tent down there to do revivals. And then uh, Robert and Jamie Agee called me and said, you know, banners for freedom folk. And they said, hey, do you have a place where we can anchor this convoy? We're going to Eagle Pass. And I said, well, let me think about it. But I'm here on this site right now. You ought to really think about this. And I sent him some pictures and he said, we love it. But we want to circle through Eagle Pass first. And I said, well, you do that, you're going to hinder National Guard operations. And they said, okay, sounds good. But they already put their ad out. It said Eagle Pass, which was actually nice because that ended up being a feign, uh, feigning maneuver. Because here's all these knuckleheads in Eagle Pass as well. The Maverick County Democratic Society did a, a protest on the day they were supposed to land. They thought they were going there. 
And so they were wait, waiting out there with signs and they never even showed up in Eagle Pass, which was <laughs> awesome. So, you know, I mean, this is how, you know, I, I, I'm going to use one mild cuss word here. How damn dumb can you be? I mean, you know, I mean, come on. This is just my grandpa used to tell me that when I couldn't figure out how to open up a gate, son, it just pulled the chain off of it. <laughs> come on. But uh, that's what happened. I'll tell you, that's good. You, you sound yeah. good, Pete. I don't think I've heard you sound this good in a long time. So I'm I'm taking it things went as well as you could have expected. Oh, my brother. It, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm, I'm humbled because every day that we go on in this fight. And, and look, I, I just did a, a show with a friend of mine, Denny Caballero. We were in the Q course together. And he has a small podcast, but he, he he reaches out to Green Berets. You ought to get him on your show one day. His thing is about resilience and PTSD stuff. But he got me on this morning just to talk about just a couple of bros from the Q course. And he said, you know, it was it was quintessential unconventional warfare tactics that you used and domestic internal defense, as I shared with him, really what we call it. But it was um, it was it was so good to hear that this morning because I got it from a peer that you know and like you you know you've been in this world you get it from those people and you go okay then i must have been okay because you don't know until the fight's over but but you also know this that when the magazines you know the ak-47 magazines drop in the room next to you as they're changing mags that's your time to go we got them on their spurs and that's a good feeling when momentum shifts on a battlefield it's a good feeling absolutely by the way introduce me to danny get me hooked up on uh signal and i'll i'll get him on yeah, okay yeah it's, it's denny d-e-n-y uh and so I'll, I'll make sure i get you a bit with him he's a great guy yeah i'd love to have him on it'd be fantastic pete mm-hmm. let's let's shift a little bit um part of this you wrote an interesting post the other day on telegram and it was basically and i'm going to sum it up and people can find it there but really talking about the window that we're in right now, that there are a ton of people that are just not going to wake up from this and you have to come to an acceptance of that and not let mm-hmm. it hinder your mission. Talk a little bit about that. Right. And and so um, just like what you were talking about before with all the, all the shots that were being taken that were vitriolic, mm-hmm. when you see rounds that are hitting you next to the wall, if you stopped yourself every time a round hit a wall or a ground in front of you, it really slows down your momentum and, you, and takes your eyes off where they're shooting from. So that's one point. But then this case, um, it's kind of like the I've talked about in other places is Stockholm syndrome. You know, the, the when you when you go in and do a hostage rescue mission and you and you see somebody chained up and they're holding on to the post and they don't want to leave with you at that point, you have to say, follow me if you want to live. If they don't move well, in that world, you, you know, you pick them up and carry them out. But when you're dealing with, you know, millions of people that just are concerned about, you know, where they're going to, you know, where they're going to get their next bar- Starbucks from and, and, uh, you know, their, their, their summer vacation in the Bahamas more than they are about their own personal safety and, and the, and the neighborhood that they live in, then, you know, I don't, I don't expect people to just be live in fear, but you, you have to balance out, you know, intelligence, you know, and I'm talking about just, you know, being intelligent, not intelligence in the intelligence world, just, just, listen a little bit and see because the Stockholm it, it comes in different forms and some of it is you know you're actually co-opted and you're you're out there doing the same stuff and pointing fingers at those that are enlightened when they're just trying to help you at that point it's going to take away time and so uh, there was an intercessor lady that called me and said beware of the time stealers because they're going to take away your time so me trying to tap dance and say, Hey, listen to me. It's, you know, this kind of, at some point you just have to say, okay, well, I'm going to go on to the person that's going to listen because if I can save 20 and there are 2000 that just aren't listening, then I'm going to save the 20 because otherwise if I don't work on them as well, and I spend all my time talking to the ones that just won't listen, we're not going to get the 20. That's well said. I, I agree with this. We've been talking a lot about this on the show which is basically the the engagement piece, which we need to engage everybody we can. But when uh-huh. you hit a target like that, drop the seed, whether it's, you know, bless you, have a blessed day, Jesus loves you, right. whatever, and keep moving because the Holy Spirit will take care of the rest of that for us down the road, right? I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Powerful. Pete, Tucker Carlson, I'm going to shift because you've talked to him. But uh-huh. I want to look at let a peripheral matter here, which is pretty amazing in this nation. We have a vitriolic attack going on Tucker Carlson. 
he's now pivoted from being interviewer, which is where you were when you in, in, in were part of him, to where now he's pivoted on a much larger scale to where you and I have both been, which he's now the target. And a target mm-hmm. of this hate approach of literally trying to silence him. You have the EU today claiming that they're trying to block his travel requests. The We have the conversations coming out of D.C. that his that he should be considered a, an enemy of the state, basically commingling with a terrorist. You have CNN pushing this same nonsense. And, of course, we know that there's going to be a group of people, no matter what they do, that is going to follow that narrative. It is unbelievable to me to see this shift to where we have that even in our national discussion of anything against the First Amendment. What are your thoughts? Yeah, we have a group of people in D.C. and then in the Mockingbird media that is literally um, fixed bayonets walking towards Moscow right now. However they do it, whether it's a surrogate force through uh, Poland or the Ukraine or any other failed um, colored revolution, the, the Victoria Newland types that are out there. That especially our State Department, which is completely broken, and it and it and it and it's pushing towards a world war. Uh, they want another world war, and when you have somebody like a Tucker Carlson, he he's really become the red phone, if you will, of what kept us from going, you know, to nuclear war when, you know, John F. Kennedy uh, backed him down at the, uh, you know, the the Cuban Missile Crisis. But there was a red phone he could pick up and say, hey, you know, listen, bro, Khrushchev. We're not going to nuclear war here, and uh, you can off-gas that pressure. So allowing that for we the people to hear that is important. I, I'll be surprised if there's not some sort of an attack on his broadcast uh, that will not allow that to happen. I, I would not be surprised. Um, and yeah, that that's it's 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 much larger scale, um, much much larger scale on him, similar to what you we spoke about earlier where you know these these media outlets are saying you know pete chambers is this and that that's much smaller but i understand that because you know i've seen it you've seen it other people that have stood up for truth see these things when they when when you're over the target you're going to get a lot of flack and he is he's taking it you know pretty hard right now i i pray for him um i do uh he we, we were sitting on the set of uh alex jones yesterday and and he took a call from Tucker in Moscow while we were on a break. And uh, so a lot was happening yesterday during that broadcast. Uh, Jack Pasobiak, I don't know how to say his name, he got on there, had a, a bit of information, too, that was coming in that was uh, that was related. So a lot of things were happening on that global scale uh, at the geopolitical level, which is, uh, is, is leaning towards that. Like I said, they're marching you know, bayonets fixed with B-52s overhead, uh, figuratively speaking. That leads us right to the DMA, which is the whole issue mm-hmm. of accountability within our military. There is not a reasoned discussion that we're hearing coming out of the Pentagon. We hear obedience to insanity. Are you getting any other tremors of that? Because everything I'm getting from the inside is that they're just trying to push this thing to war. And we've got the military-industrial complex slathering over the profits they're about ready to make at the cost of American bodies. Yeah, the the those, the profits that they're going to make, and then the, uh, the the dividend returns that there are our legislators are going to make in uh, in their stock options. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that that's uh, I I'm not hearing anything. I've been kind of off the grid with with regard to that as of the last few days. But I, you know, we kind of understand it. Unfortunately, that this is. The, the the broken, uh, morally injured, morally damaged um, uh, DOD that we're dealing with, uh, that is why that DMA is so important. That declaration of military accountability on the 1st of January, you know, 24, 0400 hours, that was probably the first line of effort for the first institution in the multi-legged, I call Leviathan, or like an octopus, really that is that is wrapped around our constitution, and and it, we we we, I mean we the two hundred thirty-one and the, and the signers that petition, uh, the signatories, that's just the first, you know, salvo of that to to saw that leg off. But we still got you know so many other tentacles on the different institutions that got to be worked on. Yeah, that's the truth. Let's dig into the DMA a little bit. This is a, a, a significant document. In fact, in history, 
We have never had a document, to my knowledge, that was signed and declared in that manner as in, as establishing an institution within the country, which was be enemies domestic, as being to be held accountable for restoration by the the laws of the system, by people that had been in the system, especially dealing specifically with the military. This is an, un, an unbelievable moment when you think about it, because of all the signed on there, you and myself included, that call out is to hold everybody accountable for a complete reset, which at the end of the day, when we do the, mm -hmm. when we do the actual facts on that, every GO that we have, general officer, was in violation of the law. What are your thoughts here? Right. Yeah, the, the mandate was illegal. There's, there's no discussion there anymore. Um, and the, inst the institution, the operational level of that um, actually put a lot of commanders underneath the, the senior general officers at risk of Article 92's failure to follow a proper order as the original frag order was written by the Secretary of Defense in a very um, kind of a sly, you know, fine print kind of way that commanders are responsible for giving the, the appropriate vaccine, the appropriately approved. Well, then you got Terry Adderham at the Defense Health Agency who was writing this crazy uh, memo that says that EUA, emergency use authorization, equals basic licensure agreement. Well, that's a shell game. That does that. That she doesn't get to make that call. She's, you know, she's a a, a shell, a shill uh, that is, uh, you know, just following the orders from above, and that that doesn't make it right. So these officers that that took those orders now we're looking at, you know, maybe the 06 down. Um, when they got vitriolic and the most egregious are guilty of at this point, I, I believe this is chemical warfare, um, then, then they, they are guilty of treason if they were egregious or at the least dereliction of duty. And, uh, and, and, and ultimately other tort type law that will, you know, be should be held up in a in a tribunal, uh, which is, uh, you know, get your popcorn, folks, because it's it's coming. Yeah, it is. Uh, Pete, we forget uh, the part of your recent past as a whistleblower on this vaccine. Mm -hmm. so you have been one of the experts on this and testimony on what it is, what it was doing, and the whole legalities mm -hmm. of it. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, sir. Yeah, that was uh, Senator Johnson. Uh, there were four whistleblowers that came out, uh, 22 on the, uh, or 23, excuse me, that was January. Um which was, he said, I need somebody to tell me what's going on. Teresa Long found the De Defense Medical Epidemiology Database information first, got a hold of Sam Sigloff, um, Mark Bashaw, and myself. I was on the border. I had the largest deployment of U.S. forces on the U.S. border since the Spanish-American War. So it was kind of like a, uh, a, a case study unto itself as to how do you keep all these people safe on the border when they're looking at 12,000 people a week with no tests for anything to include other more nefarious diagnoses of tuberculosis, et cetera. But how do we, how do I testify? How did I, and Teresa Long and myself, although she was ordered not to testify in the Seals versus Lloyd Austin case in Tampa, where we found that number one, it was, it was not safe. It was not effective and we could do it by lesser intrusive means. And that was, that was, that stood up in court and it gave them a reprieve, the SEALs and, and some other service members in different branches, a reprieve for their religious accommodations. But that being said, um, you know, my expertise did not lie in the understanding of the pharmacokinetics of medication or the uh, virology or immunology or statistics. My, my expertise came in, I was a fact witness and I was able to then say, no, I saw this firsthand because it, here's the problem with those things when these, these cases, and this is case law stuff, when you start arguing case law and you start arguing data, um, it's very Hegelian in nature. It's, you know, there's, there's a, there's a first you prevent your present your thesis and your antithesis, and then something gets synthesized because while you're arguing about it, when I say, no, that's the facts, then it's over and there's no arguing it. And then of course it can be it can't really be refuted because otherwise I'm lying in court. So they would have put me on the stand, but that shut the DOJ down in that case, I believe and in saying, well, okay, no, no further questions, your honor. Um, Cause I'm just telling them like, well, this is what I did. I did good preventative medicine and we didn't have to give everybody shots. Now the, the broken, broken law was, uh, you know, Lieutenant Colonel Chambers, you will not do any more informed consents. 
And then at that point, that's an unlawful order. And when a lieutenant colonel tells a two-star, you know, that's an unlawful order, sir, you know, you lose the game of rock, paper, rank. Uh, but you win in the in the sense of what is right and what is moral and what is by regulations uh, correct. Yes. Pete, one of the concerns I think people have in looking at the DMA with the 231 signatures is what mm -hmm. will be the tangible effects? There's been some strong positions made. I'm one of them that makes those strong positions that there has to be accountability and that we will achieve accountability. We don't talk much about pathways and without giving out source and methods, what do you see as an outcome of this and how this will generate true effects? Wait a minute. You rephrase that for me. I'm sorry. Somebody's texting me. I just swiped it. I'm sorry. Yeah, no problem. Just, just basically what we're getting out in the DMA is how does it, how does it translate to real effect? And that's, that's basically it, without getting out sources oh, and methods yeah. with this. But yeah. this is a concern people have is this document's bold. Its position is strong. But where does it where does it come in that we actually have real tangible effects where we bring accountability and justice like we're seeking to have? Well, I think it's going to require some some su supporting operations because that's the mainline effort. But I think the supporting operations come in. The, the billboards that just went out, we were you know, texting back and forth about that just prior to the show. You know, there's billboards that Robert and Jamie Ag were donated some money to make sure that the those web that website is going to be posted around the country. I I say that it needs to be posted outside of every single military installation and around the Pentagon. Uh, but but that's what you know that kind of stuff. Get a hold of those folks because if if we can get a, a campaign going there, that's another uh, grassroots effort because. If we don't keep the the pressure on, it could fizzle out. I mean, anything is is susceptible to that. So, we've got to keep that pressure on. So then, what does the end state look like? The end state looks like, um, you know, us sitting down with somebody from the Pentagon and saying, "Okay, you you have a choice here now. You you either you know uh, wait for these new legislators to come in and them to uh, force your hand through appropriate means through the purse string in Congress." which is not going to happen in this session, we, as we can see. You know, it's a pretty weak session right now. But uh, I believe that uh, when you do have the Cameron Hamiltons out there and the Merrill Macy's and, and, and all those that are coming up, uh, you know, we, we the people uh, are going to, to turn this around. I mean, that's just, just how it's going to happen. That's a critical statement. It's one thing I just want to put out here tonight because I think it's important. And it's been my big concern is that when people see the, the 231, there is a, there's two effects that seems to happen on the American public right now. One is that they're relieved to see that there's a group in the military that has the character and the, the moral strength to stand up. Two, mm -hmm. because they're relieved to see it, now there's a relaxing point of saying the military has got this, which is not the case at all. This is, mm -hmm. about, no, this is about a combined action with the American public to hold the Pentagon accountable to restore the military back to we the people in the Constitution, would you agree? Beautiful, right? Okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna allude back to the uh, to the convoy for a second because there's something that will tie into that and it will make sense to you here in a second. In 1918, there was a battle in in uh, France. Um, I think it was the Brits and you know uh, French troops against the Germans. You know, at this uh, line. And it was called Ypres, Y-P-R-E-S. And that was the salient. So that what happened was you get the high ground in three sides. You have a lesser force of numbers. And here comes the Germans. They allow them to push down the middle. And then a lesser force can actually take on a larger force. Well, in that case, there were three sides to that thing. So in this case, in Texas, there were three sides. It was the Texas law enforcement, the Texas uh, government folks, you know, the, the governance, and then we the people. And so when you uh, when all three of those sides, even though a lesser in in abilities, you know, the mockingbird media abilities, the the money, the the world economic money, whatever money is coming in, um, you can actually defeat them with lesser resources because you're using a technique that all the, albeit is a, is a tactical technique for the battlefield. It works in this because we just saw it. Right. This was a proof of concept of that. Yes. So that right there in that case um, requires, just like you said, we the people, you know, to get out there, to get the message out, to do the media, which is, you know, Robert and Jamie AG billboards to push this mainline effort once again. Uh, but instead of being on the defense in the DMA, it needs to go on the offense because it, it needs to 
to find a way to to push a lesser force into the fray, and that's almost like attacking an ambush. Uh, you, when it's too close, you you got to run at it, and you got to get them on their spurs, and they are, and they're 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 scared, and they're running, and we see it, like I see it, and I can see the shift. And you know, we've had this conversation. You've seen it. I I, I talked to Alex Jones on the side on the set, on the side. He sees it. We're all seeing it. And then we have to understand that without God in this picture, that that we really can't do this. And so that's really how this thing is being orchestrated. We're just the hands, right? Because we're faith without works is dead. So we're pushing forward. God is filling us with his spirit to say, this is how you do this. Now go ahead. And then you go, oh, okay, this is working. What do you think? Oh, we had all this training for our whole lives, you know, and without a gun could go to the border and say, okay, we're going to you know, keep these people safe. It doesn't require that. It requires just obedience. Well said. One of the things I'm going to be really ramping up because I presented the idea about two weeks ago and it was a Mm -hmm. using the concept of mail as an instrument of warfare. So we have 25,000 signatories on the DMA and we also have on our own mailing list, we've got about 30,000 internal to bars nation. And if we combine those two, there's going to be some crossovers. But effectively, whatever we can mobilize out of that, even if it's 10,000, to get 10,000 letters sent to every single general in the Pentagon and to do a mailing to where they are identified and they are receiving those, that's enough to start overwhelming the the synapsis of somebody. That's why I say it. You know, look, I mean, even me with the crazy articles and people telling me, I mean, it, it was not, it didn't hurt my feelings at all, but what it did was it made me think about it and took me off my game for little bits and pieces there. Even when you and I were discussing, you know, I was pretty upset, not at you, but at the situation mm-hmm. of how could you, how dare you attack these innocent people? I mean, it took me off my game for, you know, even though it was, you know, 20 minutes when you, when you look and these people that are in the, in the, in the Pentagon right now, I mean, they're, they're they're weak. I mean, if they're, they're cowards already, they've already demonstrated that. So to me, when you hit a coward with something like that, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to shake in their boots. As I'd like to say, anything I can help to enhance their sleep deprivation makes for a better day. (laughs) Right. Roger that. (laughs) 100%. Pete, um, another, just the one kind of, as we start to wrap this down a little bit, I do want to talk about this emerging bit on this virus X which mm-hmm. Todd Callender has spoken a lot about. There is a post yes, I shared with you today on a real warning from a good source friend of mine that literally said that coming from one of the chiefs in the virology in um, in the army <clears throat> level, that mm-hmm. virus X is coming. I think that's a bit of a misnomer, but their concern was and warning was that it was an Ebola base. And then the stress was not to take any injections, period which goes to the Todd calendar model, which is this is being carried by whatever's in these injections without Mm -hmm. saying definitively what it is from your research. Let me frame it that way. What does this point to? What? Okay. So what that was, what it is, and we, you know, we've, uh, as I became more astute into uh, the, the, the delivery mechanisms of the actual COVID shot, it, you know, a lipid nanoparticle, what it is, just a tiny particle that's on a lipid, which the blood-brain barrier is a lipid barrier. The only way to get, the, you know, water and, and, and fats don't, you know, it's, it's, it's not soluble. So the fats, the lipids push it through into the blood-brain barrier or into places where you wouldn't normally see it. So it's a delivery mechanism, almost like a, it's carrying it like a bomber. And then the payload for those are what are called binaries. So the binaries are, are, um, uh, delivered together, piggybacked onto that. So you, you can have a, uh, a live uh, virus or a killed virus either way, you know, for a typical vaccine, but then you piggyback something on it that could be more, um, like an Ebola virus, which is a hemorrhagic virus, which is one of the, and we have to consider this tactics wise, uh, one of the listed vaccines that George Bush Jr. listed in an executive order back in his um, presidency that is quarantinable. Okay. So if people start testing positive now with these PCR tests that can be, you know, I could test, you know, my dog's foot right now and be positive for anything. Um, we could, we could then say, make the argument that, 
well, I guess we're going to have to start the quarantine camps. And so that's the most dangerous course of action. The most likely thing is it's going to fizzle out like everything else. But it's because more people are listening to this stuff and going, yeah, that's what this is. That That's a mechanism. It is. It's real. And it can be done with anything. I can take HIV and put it on there. Uh, I can take any virus or any any entity that could be delivered in a nano form, a very small format, to go through that blood-brain barrier and allow that to happen. So that's, that is uh, something that um, should be watched, but I don't think they have the, I do not think that they'll have the delivery and pe- unless people roll up their sleeves and give it to them. What is your thought on Todd Callender's view that this is already in people through the initial wave of the vax? What I'm just going to tell you my own, <laughs> just my own witness of this. What we're seeing mm-hmm. right now is an explosion of aggressive cancers in people. I mean, we're getting those in. I'm okay. talking to people, yeah. right? And I think that's more what we're seeing. But I'm not just dis- I'm not disputing what Todd, Todd says, but I'm just curious because that seems to be one of the yeah. big concerns, right? Yeah, two different entities there, um, same mechanism. And so the the thing that's that's happening with the turbo cancers, as they call it, is um, um, that is something that is subduing a natural. Um, uh, factor that you have that actually keeps your body in check so you don't end up with cancers. It's kind of the cancer killer, your natural cancer killer. That is being subdued, it's being suppressed. And that's what kicked that off. That's a different payload than is an Ebola because an Ebola is a uh, hemorrhagic. So you would see bleeding from all orifices with that. So we're not seeing that explosion, but we have seen that. So we know that the payload has been used and can I verify that? No, I can't. I can only say that that would be the mechanism. No, that makes perfect sense. And we know, too, from a shock and awe point of view, especially with our deceitful media, that it only takes one mm-hmm. or two cases that they'll highlight and magnify with AI and everything else to make it yes, look sir. like it's everybody hemorrhaging at the same time. It'll be like World War Remember one of the Remember pla- one of the things that we, that we found here, role players. We're, just keep that in the back of your mind that anytime you see something, start paying attention to the details because the role players... It'd be like watching a movie, let's say watching Braveheart or really an old pirate movie. And if you really watch the individual action of one person, you can see they're just totally missing them, right? So the role players are going to be out there. Just start watching that. If something does come out, watch it real close. Yeah, and I would also say watch for the call for role players because that's <laughs> yes. that's always happens. They, they start this. So this nonsense yeah. is going to get a little bit insane. Pete, what's some wrap-up words before we go to prayer that you'd say to people and then also let's make sure everybody knows where to find you. So, All right. Uh, well, you know, I'm at drpetechambers.com on Telegram and on X is Doc Pete Chambers on X. That's really, I'm focusing there now, even though I, I can't stand that platform, but it's it's the place where the most is get out, gets out. Um, you know, final words. Gosh, I'm going to tell you a story out of the border. Um, old farmer, rancher down there, cowboy, uh, Viejo Caballero, you know, old cowboy. He's down there living on the border, 400 meters from Mexico. I ran into him. I actually had lunch when I walked back across the river from Mexico. I don't care. I'm going to say it. I went across the way just to make sure everything was okay on that side across from the, the venue. And uh, and I and I, I told the local law enforcement, and they were like, well, you know, okay, just don't let the, uh, the Fed see you because they're supposed to check your ID, and they didn't. But uh, – what what I what I saw in that family was, and I asked him, "Why are you still here?" Because there's nothing here. I mean, and he said, he said, "Mis dios están aquí." God's roots are buried here. That the Republic of Texas was a thing, and that it was a republic that was ordained by God, and that governance has never disappeared, even though it was illegally annexed in 1845. This guy's telling me this. This local guy, Hispanic guy, U.S. citizen been there for generations, eight generations on the border and this beautiful family. And they were down there praying and they were putting stakes in the ground for these people that were anointed with, with, uh, with scriptures on them to keep them safe while they had this down the street from where they lived. And he said, because God's roots are buried here. And people need to understand that that, that those roots go all the way across this nation. It's not just Texas. It's the whole nation is we are connected by the roots of God. In the initial 1607 covenant, all the way sea to shining sea, and north to south, and you can't you can't beat that. But the 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 prince of the prince of this world, so to speak, has other uh, plans. But the, I, you know, we know what's going to happen in the end. But 
faith without works is dead. So we've got to each one of us do what we can and, and obtain the little victories to take us to the end. Oh, Pete, that's so good. Pete, I'm going to ask you to do the prayer tonight, if you would. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we ended Alex Jones with a prayer. And we're going to end us here with a prayer. Oh, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Now, wait, tell them that again. You told me that. And I, I was, that's fantastic. First time in the history of the show, right? Well, that's what his, his uh, control room manager said. He said, Alex said, well, we got one minute. And I thought he was going to say any last words. And he goes, Doc, could you pray for us? And I was like, huh, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give a similar type, you know, prayer is really, you know, Lord, just um, right now we'd come before you, Lord, and just acknowledge you from this morning that it's a beautiful sky that you, you, you created all of this, first of all. And then at the end of the day, and it's dark outside, and now I'm going to go out and look at some stars that, uh, Lord, um, remember that as we walk out our doors to humble ourselves, to face you, to get on our knees, to, to humbly request that you heal our nation second chronicles seven fourteen, but that we know that seven thirteen says that because of all these things that have happened you will do that if we do that it's a logical statement we we recognize that lord and we and we we just ask for for a covering over this nation and a, and a healing and that we take the the two broken pieces of this fence that is this nation these roots of this nation red and blue and whatever color else and we just, uh, you know, we pick up our come-alongs, we, 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 we sew the gate, we'll sew, sew the gate back together, Lord, and that we come out stronger. And, uh, and, and, we, and we just ask for these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Pete, that's great. Father, I just want to add to that prayer. We just, we're blessed for the peacemakers. Pete's one of these. And we just ask that you'll bless him, continue to protect him. And we, we pray truly for the equivalent of the special forces of heaven to surround him, to continue to walk with him. And to give him all the resources, protection, insight, the prophetic, the apostolic, the powers of healing, the powers of deliverance, the powers of raising the dead, and greater works. That all that he needs at his hand and through him and through Holy Spirit to guide him in this fight to raise a nation and to truly demonstrate what a true governor of Texas should be. Since Pete is truly anointed as the spiritual governor of Texas in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Pete, I am going to share that. That was a prophetic word given by Leah. Svensson the other night on the show that Pete Chambers mm-hmm. is the spiritual governor of Texas. So if you're looking for what a governor should be, look no further than this man right here. <laughs> Nicely done, Pete. You're doing great work. It's an honor to work with you, brother. Honor to know you. Honor to call you, brother. Truly. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I, I, I feel the same. It's been Dude. quite an amazing journey for yourself, just even in the last year and a half. It's crazy how fast it's gone. Oh. Yeah, it's it's uh, the, the last shall be first and the first shall be last, I suppose. <laughs> so good. All right, I forgot to ask one <laughs> last question. It's your horse. How's your horse doing? You know, he missed out on a lot of fun. He, we, I tried to get him down to the border. I just couldn't. It was too much, you know, logistics just to get him down there. But, uh, yeah, he's doing great. I, I checked on him today. Actually went out this morning after the sunrise. Good. All right. Pete, you know, if you ever need anything, anyway— You've got a whole community here that's standing with you, and there, we've got thousands. People love you, respect you, and just thank you for all you're doing, seriously. Yeah, your folks are family, brother. Well, brother, thank you. Safe travels as you move around, mm-hmm. and uh, enjoy your time with the Lord. I know that's coming up. I'm, I'm excited to yes, hear what comes out of that. Bless you, and thank <laughs> you for making time tonight on the show. It's always an honor. Oh, I wouldn't have missed it. Thanks, sir. All right. God bless, Pete. Mm-hmm. Thanks, sir. Patriots, that was Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, retired Special Forces, truly will be recognized in forever in our history as one of the great patriots of our time. He has given all to this fight. He has literally, literally sacrificed everything for this fight and continues to. And it is such an, it's such an honor to have him here and part of this community. We need to continue to pray for him. And I ask you each and every day to pray for him, to pray for Joe, to pray for his horse, to pray for his team down there and beyond that, because he has an amazing team. People whose faces you'll never know, but people I will tell you who are equally legend in the places they come from. People that don't want to be known, but people that are doing amazing work to putting their lives on the line to save this nation. And our effort is equally great. They're on the point of the spear, but they cannot survive this without the prayers of a nation behind them. So keep praying for them, and we'll keep praying for them here. 
So Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning, right? So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe.